This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And welcome to the Wednesday Bulls Beat. We've got plenty of winning highlights from women's basketball beating Temple after a Dicey first half. The second half was a different story, 77-55. to 55. Let's hope for a win. Doesn't have to be by 22 points. Can be by, well, one point. The men taking on the Temple Owls tonight. That'll be a 6.30 airtime on USF Bulls Unlimited. We also have a couple of other notes. This is something that didn't get completed on yesterday's sort of catch-up show. I looked at it. Had not done a show since December the 15th, so I was bound to miss something. And on December 28th, the American Athletic Conference came out with its preseason predictions for baseball we're still six weeks away from the season beginning six and a half weeks so that's probably another reason why it slipped my mind but we'll go ahead and throw those out at you and speaking of the conference we will do a bit of a longer conference show to end the hour don't know if i'm going to have every game recap from when we last left off december 15th because there were way too many games but in general we'll tell you the bowl outcomes and how things are looking in basketball as far as the standings go and that kind of thing as conference play did begin late in the 2022 calendar year in both the men's and women's basketball sides of things and of course conference meaning usf as well action in the spring sports set to begin although technically it is a winter sport indoor track and field which makes sense since you would not have indoor track and field in the spring does begin next week the USF Bulls of Eric Jenkins going to begin their indoor season in Gainesville next Friday the 13th. And tennis is about to begin. The spring season indeed for both men's and women's tennis. We will attempt to talk to both head coaches. Ashley Fisher on the men's side. Christina Moros for the women. The men begin next Friday down in Boca Raton. They will play three matches against Rice, Cal Santa Barbara, and the host FAU. Their first home matches are on the weekend of January the 22nd. They'll actually play a doubleheader on that day. The women begin on that same weekend. They will also be at home against the Florida Gators, so we're going to have plenty of tennis. And speaking of plenty, I'm starting to map it out for you guys as far as our Bulls Unlimited calendar goes. When all the sports happen at the same time, it's going to be, uh, well, we're going to have to figure some stuff out. We're definitely going to have to use some different voices. I Point to one day, particularly Saturday, the 18th of February. On that day, softball is playing in the big event in Clearwater in the morning. Baseball is playing at 2 at home. It's the first weekend of the baseball season. Women's basketball is playing at 5 at home. And the men are playing at 8. That's a doubleheader, so we'll have to figure out who's going to be calling which games, but we'll definitely be able to bring you a lot of sports, and that's what we're here for. As a matter of fact... Not tonight, but the next three Wednesdays, both the men and the women are playing at the same time. That's why we have, of course, not just Bulls Unlimited, but we can also use our friends on our HD2 side. That's Strike 1025 HD2. So uh, not just for the next three Wednesdays in basketball when we need two channels to bring you the games, but also when February hits and all the sports are going on at once. That's kind of what we live for and it's what we have here. We used to have two full-time channels streaming, but now... Basically, we have an auxiliary channel when there's two games going on at once. And oh, by the way, hope you took advantage of this. And I'll just go ahead and address it before we get to last night's women's basketball highlights. The TuneIn app is great. I hope you noticed, and if you haven't, I'll tell you, 
that there's basically no delay. On our previous home, as far as streaming went, you would hear something about a minute and 10 seconds after it actually happened. That's not the case anymore. But I do realize also that if you do not pay for the premium service on TuneIn every now and then, and for me, yeah, it's happened to me listening to the men's basketball games. kind of happens at bad times. It's never a good time, but it's just part of getting the free TuneIn app, the free version of the app. And that is, yeah, they will have pop-up commercials, not our commercials, but TuneIn commercials that are full two-minute breaks. And again, they pop up at random times. I can tell you that there was a year-end sale. This is why you got to follow me on Twitter, at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P, where you could get the premium service, which takes those commercials out completely for a dollar a month for three months. And I definitely wanted to tweet that out, and I took advantage of it myself. So hopefully you saw that, and I'm never going to tell anybody, hey, you got to spend money here, you got to spend money there. But if you really want to get rid of the commercials, the premium service is the way to go. And it is $7.99 a month, but if there's any other future sales, I will let you know. So however you were listening to us last night, hopefully you were. If you were not at the Yingling Center, more than 2,000 fans were. The Bulls going up against the Temple Owls. We told you a little bit about them on yesterday's show, how they were 6-7, and seven, but had played a strong schedule. And I got to admit, I messed up on yesterday's show. And this is what happens when you assume. Anaya Gordine, who had just played one game, I assumed, she got hurt early. Well, I was wrong. She was not able to play until the last game. She was an all-freshman performer last year and is their leading returning scorer. So they had just gotten her services back along with what they had already been receiving from the two Towson transfers. Again, their head coach, and we didn't really get into this on the broadcast last night, Diane Richardson. We kept mentioning how she came from Towson and how Aaliyah Nelson was an all-colonial player last year, averaging more than 15 points a game this season, and how Terriana Gary, the Carrollwood Day transfer, was their second leading three-point shooter. Those two had already made more three-pointers this year than their leading shooter last year, Jaysha Clinton made, which was 22. So they had gotten that added to the Temple Owls arsenal. They can shoot the ball is what I'm trying to say. But we never really got into, you know, why would you get the coach from Towson? And in five years, her first five years as a D1 head coach, Diane Richardson took Towson to the postseason twice. That program had been to the postseason once in its first 49 years and had never been to the NCAA tournament Back in 2019, they actually reached the Colonial Semifinals for the first time in 11 years. They hadn't even been to their conference tournament semis in a decade, the year she took them to the NCAA tournament. And oh, by the way, in their tournament run, they beat the host. And in the finals, they beat a team, Drexel, that had beaten them to end the regular season 77 to 44. Then last year, she got Towson back to the WNIT. So this was a team you could see was a lot more energetic, a lot more dynamic, and was hanging with the Bulls, who got scoring from just two players in the first quarter, and one of them was not named Dulce Fankamangiadu. The Owls had her frustrated, but Sammy Puisis and the one who would have a huge game, Elena Chinecki, had a great start. Ten on the shot clock as Wilson finds Chinecki. Perea guards her. There's a bounce pass to Chinecki, right around Perea. Lane's o- Lane opens up, but she opened it up herself, and it's 2 nothing Bulls. That's smart basketball play there, right? She used the rim to help protect her from her defender, much taller defender on 
Chinecki there, she did a great job putting it up. Scoop shot with the right hand. Temple, six and seven, but off an impressive win to start off conference play. Gary, the Carrollwood Day product, pulls from the foul line. Nice looking stroke, but misses. And Dulce Fankamangiadu seemingly getting every defensive rebound these days <laughs> for the Bulls, grabs that one. Uh, Dulce's oh, got Brito, her posted up. I, I said interesting because she sat out the last 13 minutes the other night. Puisis plays a lot, she gets a three, wide open and drains it, and it's five nothing Bulls. Sammy Priest is looking so good. Second right now, three-pointers made in the conference. And to be expected, that's that's what she's very good at. Now a wide open three for Nelson. She's good, knocks it down. She's not gonna miss many wide open shots and back-to-back -back threes for the Owls to give them the lead. Priest is wide open on the push, answers right back, three for three. And it is a much more aesthetically pleasing game than the last time these teams played. It's eight to six balls. Kaneki, cool on the baseline, finds a cutting Johansson and she could not finish strong. Now she's battling for the ball, putting her head down and comes out of it with a pass to Carla Brito. What an effort, now for three, Chaneki. Wow, what a job by Johansson. Fumbled it at first, fought for the pass. Chaneki really wants the ball in this offense and boy, she is feeling it. Drains a foul line jumper. Makes it 15 to eight. Chinecki now has nine points already with 3.18 to go in the first quarter. Difficult to guard, right? She can pull up from anywhere, but she can also take you on that hesitation. So defenders hesitate going out on her too tough. So looking good at 15 to eight, but with kind of an asterisk, the Bulls committed six turnovers in that first quarter and two of them were by Dulce Fankamangiadu. She was frustrated by the interior defense. Temple is a guard-based offense and an overall good defense. They had a couple of big bodies in the middle. One of them who was only averaging three points a game, Denise Solis, actually scored five points, made a three her first attempt from three of the year in that first quarter. And then after what you just heard, the Bulls did not hit another shot the rest of the quarter, missing their last five, and Temple would score the last eight points for a 16-15 lead. Well, in the second quarter, more of the same. Dulce would come to the party. Maria Alvarez would score five points, but Temple had answers. And only at the very end did the Bulls get a little bit of a cushion. Here are your second quarter highlights. But now Clinton looks to push as she always does. Hands it off to Nelson, Ooh. that's a good looking three in rhythm. That was a good Knocks shot. Knocks it down, she is an outstanding player. Aaliyah Nelson has three games this year with six or seven threes, and after that one, she is clapping her hands and smiling, playing defense in their 2-3 zone. Temple has a lead, 21-20. Alvarez, you know she can knock it down, and she does. And she just puts her head down. Not quite the same overreaction. And with 4.25 to go in the half, again, anytime it looks like the Bulls get a cushion, they just sort of run into a speed bump offensively. Oh, no. And it's a bad pass by Priscilla. Bulls turnovers here. Nelson wants to drive on her. Oh, <laughs> Priscilla just got a tech, absolutely. Blocked her shot and said something to her. And after a good defensive play, it is completely wiped out by the taunt. And Temple will go to the free throw line. When you make a good play on defense, just move on. Just move on. Move and on. Priscilla Williams could not do that. So Chinecki's going to get oh, her. Oh, they need to stop. And they Temple to stop is going to get two free throws. I'll tell you, Nelson's a feisty player, right? So she's feisty. So if you get two feisty players guarding each other, that can be a little bit of a bit yeah, of a she, tense situation. She kind of brought that on <laughs> with her previous reactions. And I think Nelson was feeling a little bit there and Williams didn't like it. Bulls are having a lot of difficulty getting their guards open on the wings. Temple overplaying the wings by a lot. Bulls guards getting the ball way beyond the three point line on the wings. 
Rito tried to send it over to Preece. Six on the shot clock as Wilson gets it. Bounces underneath. Dulcie is guarded well. Tough shot. Brio misses the putback, but at least it gets rim. Dulcie with the putback. Didn't get the foul call, but scores. And it is 28-27 Temple, a third chance. And that was her fifth rebound. So that gets her right on 900. She snuck in a second rebound in there. Inbounds to Mackey. Stop and go and put the Bulls back on top. She has been the one constant for the Bulls tonight. So you got 14 points, and the Bulls are back on top, 29-28. Now Temple has had some stuff rim out after the Bulls had a, a similar stretch. 1.15 to go, Bulls with the ball and a one-point lead in this back-and-forth affair. Bulls this is have, a physical game, isn't it? Absolutely. Dulce oh, with the pass, tipped by, anticipated by Nelson, and tipped out of bounds. The Bulls have had a rugged quarter shooting <laughs> the ball. It is a they rugged quarter. Seven in a row before hitting two of their last three, so they've seen their Field goal percentage dip below 40, and Temples is just a smidge above that percentage mark. They just slow down from the three range oh. as well as we hit a minute to go. Of course, Janek has been the exception. Puisis long two in rhythm. That's a beautiful shot, and the balls are up three. It's 31 to 28. Uh, she squares up so well, right? Janeki though, drives the lane. Oh, Puisis is open for a second. Now Dulcie with the ball. Pump fake. Oh, nice offer by Puisis. Oh, nice. Another jumper rims in. That shooter's touch right there. We'll take the two and a five-point lead, and it is a quick 8-0 run for USF. Great cutting by the Bulls, right? When you're getting overplayed like that, you've got to cut several times, make your defender go out. Puises does a nice job on that and squares up so well. So halftime score, Bulls were up 33-30. to Chinecki had 14 points. Puises had 10. They both made two threes each. They were combined 10 for 18 from the floor. The rest of the team, though, just four for 15. There would be more contributions all the way around in the second half, and you'll hear Jose Fernandez speak to the difference between the first and the second. We'll give you those highlights when we come back, along with the preview of tonight's men's matchup, coincidentally also against Temple, and we'll also tell you where baseball is picked to finish in the American Athletic Conference. Remember, we end the hour with Around the American. This is Bulls Beat. Stay tuned. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Two things going on this week. We got, of course, basketball against Temple in general, but also continuing to bring you the top 22 games of 22. Follow us on Twitter at Bulls Unlimited, and also remember our schedule gets posted to GoUSFBulls.com. Just go to that website, which you already know about, obviously. Hit that Fans tab, and you'll see the option to select Bulls Unlimited. Two things. You can get the schedule there and have the media player for tune-in right there on the page. Last night, we had the game going. You heard the first half highlights. Jose Fernandez wasn't a fan of the first half. Could have been better. Well, it was better in the second 20 minutes. One thing that did not happen in the first 20 was a trip to the free throw line for the Bulls. Well, a lot of stuff that could have easily been called, especially inside, it was part of Dulce Fankamengiati being frustrated, were fouls. She got to the line three times in the second half, went six for six. It was 15 for 18 specifically a 13 for 14 start at the free throw line while Temple was struggling at the line when it got there. So, third quarter highlights sounded much better all the way around. Oh, that's a nice cut and a nice pass by Dulcie. They double teamed her and that's how you take advantage. Pass to the burrito and it's a four point edge. Burrito, good recognition there. The help went over to Dulcie. And now a turnover by Clinton. Boy, she forces some stuff. That is her fifth turnover. Seven and a half minutes to go. Third quarter, Bulls. There she is. And this is being the she open for three. Oh, that's a beautiful shot. Chenecki gets her first assist. She's been 
Career high pace and assist because she keeps finding Sammy Puisis and now it's a seven nothing run and a 40 to 33 lead for the Bulls. Bulls have a touchdown advantage. Again, as we hinted that, would be nice to see them put this one away early. Nelson, that's a long That's a great shot. Two, She's a great pull-up jumper. She looks over at the Bulls bench and lets them know that she made the shot. I think we all saw it, 42-37. She is feeling it, she is five for 10. Seems like she's made more than that in this game. Now handoff oh, to, oh, oh it's open. it was there, but she didn't want to take another 30-footer, so she hands it off. Wilson with 15 on the shot clock, there halfway through the quarter. Puises that time again fakes the longer shot. Oh, that's a beautiful long two, and Sammy Puises is in her own rhythm. And by the way, no reaction on her end. There's a steal and two for Carla Brito and the biggest lead of the day for the Bulls and a timeout. So while their players doing a lot of Smiling and laughing and pointing. Sammy Puis is just dropping dimes. And then a turnover after her latest basket gives the Bulls a 46-37 advantage. You're not going to get any, any braggadocious stuff from Sammy Puis. It's just from the play-by-play -play guy. As the Bulls, as you heard, were in good shape at that point, up by nine. They would actually only make two field goals in the last four and change of the quarter, but... There, as I mentioned, were more trips to the free throw line, specifically nine for 10 the rest of the way with Elena Chinecki also getting to the line. It's funny, you hear on the other side afterwards, there I think it was the radio guy and one of their coaches were complaining about how the Bulls didn't get to the line in the first half and went 15 for 18 in the second. And I think their word was, you know, be consistent. Uh, the refs were not calling obvious fouls and we're talking about hard contact in the first half and they decided to call that in the second half. If by being consistent, you were thinking you could keep fouling the Bulls even harder and get away with it, uh, wrong. And last time I checked, the officials had nothing to do with shooting the basketball, an issue that befell the Owls. In fact, in the fourth quarter, they missed 10 of their last 11, and whereas some other teams have been driving the lane against the Bulls, Temple was more or less settling for perimeter stuff, and Aaliyah Nelson, who is their leading scorer, guarded by Elena Chinecki, Big-time three-point shooter was 0 for 4 on threes in the second half. So there was really the difference in a nutshell. Fourth quarter, the Bulls actually did not make a field goal in the last 5 minutes and 45 seconds. So let's get to that point here. Alvarez sees Chinecki, now pushes to Gonzalez, top of the key. Has to oh. drive in. Oh, the lane opens up. There is Danny laying it up and in. Almost blew the bunny, but that was a quick move. They didn't think Danny was an offensive threat, apparently. She is 61-48. Quickly on the other side. Wow, that's a great shot by Clinton. A floater and they are Temple. quick. They don't they don't let the shot clock run down. No. They're not a fan of They're that. They're Loyola Marymount-esque. Puises, it opens up. That's a long three just off the mark. But Gonzalez fights for the boy, has a chance at another hoop and scores. Danny Gonzalez with a couple of buckets in this quarter after having nothing heading in. And the largest lead is 65 to 50. I tell you what, Danny Gonzalez is so good on the board. She's a very quick jumper. So she jumps twice in the time that most people jump once. <laughs> she gets off the point. floor very quickly. She kind of does. Bulls get back on defense. Now Gonzalez gets in the way, and she could have another bucket. Chinecki's going to get it and take it herself. Why not? A three on O usually goes in your advantage. The timeout's got to be coming 67 soon. to 50. Richardson looks flummoxed, perplexed, and now gesticulates for the timeout. Bulls are off and running. Six nothing in a minute span. Gets their lead to 67 to 50 with 7.08 to go in this one. Asensio now playing point guard for the Bulls. Oh, oh nice cut. Play. Pick and roll to Dulce. Thank you, Asensio gets the assist. 
And 12 and 11 now for Dulcie. It's a 69-52 oh, really nice lead. there by Asensio. Really good look and great cut by Dulcie. There is Gordine Ooh. over to Gary, and that one goes up quickly. They are now four for 12 on threes. Bulls have only made one three in this half, and they're still not scoring Temple. 36-22. Nice lofted pass. Much better for Marina Asensio to Dulcie. That is great to see. 71-52, the Bulls indeed are out to a comfortable lead. You were hoping that they would get some feel-good moments from the bench. Again, the bench was not utilized in the last 15 minutes plus Friday night in New Orleans. Everybody got to play pretty much on this Tuesday night in Tampa. And Asensio had a stretch coming off the bench of three turnovers in less than a minute in the first half. Part of that turnover late in first half, only one third quarter turnover Bulls ended up with 13 compared to Temple's 18. As I said, no field goals the rest of the way, but there were only three field goal attempts. The Bulls got to the line plenty. Last six points were made at the line, and Temple, in the interim, only scored one point in the final four minutes itself. Elena Chinecki, 27 points. 31 is her career high. It was her season high. After really just an off-shooting night, Dulcie Fankamengiata, you look up, 5 for 12, sure. But as I mentioned, 6 for 6 at the line. 16 points, 13 rebounds. She averages 17 and 12, so right there. Sammy Puises, 17 points. The big three continue to do their thing. Mentioned Danny Gonzalez off the bench, too. No points in the first half, no points in the first three quarters, but six and six ends up being her final line. You heard a couple of her clips in there as well. They shot eight for 14 in that third quarter with only two three-point attempts. Puises making one of them and no three-point makes in the fourth quarter, so a very efficient second half with only one shot from deep. That's a pretty good sign. First half was the one that Jose Fernandez was harping on, and sometimes coach can look on the negative side a little bit, but I think in this case, he's just wanting his team to be better, be more of what it can be. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a 22-point win just because of how, how we played in that first half. You know, told our guys, you know, there's a reason why we play the non-conference schedule that we do to prepare for league play. And if we think we're just going to walk out in this conference and people are just going to lay down and we're just, I mean, they're wrong. And then uh, I thought Temple came in here. They had a really good plan. They were well coached. Their kids played with a lot of spirit and energy, you know. And uh, I was disappointed at how we read things and how we turned the ball over. So we go from turning it over nine times in the first 20 minutes to one in the one in the third and then two two or three in the fourth, right? That first half, they got what they wanted, transition threes. They drove it down downhill. They had 14 fast break points. A lot of them were on live ball turnovers. So, you know, it changed, you know. But, um, you know, it's unacceptable. And for us to get where we want to get to, we got to play a lot better than that those first 20 minutes, especially at home. They'll be back at home next week, but before that, they'll play at Wichita this Saturday afternoon. Yours truly will be making the trip for that one. Tonight, Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston hit the air at 6.30. It's the Bulls and the Temple Owls. Last year in Tampa, the Bulls won kind of a slugfest, 52-49, and the Owls won easily in the regular season finale in Philly, 75-47. Damian Dunn and Khalif Battle both came off the bench as the Owls won their last game at home against Cincinnati. They're 2-0 in the conference. They beat ECU. To start things off, those two are dangerous. Battle has 45 made threes, averaging 18 points a game, and Damian Dunn 
where his reputation for game-winning shots is averaging 14 points. So if number zero and one, that's battle and done, don't start. Know that they're going to come off the bench and want to score right away. Bulls have been scoring a lot lately, put up 86 in that loss to Memphis. Let's see if they can get it back even in conference play. And the baseball team picked to finish sixth in the American Athletic Conference. We know that the number one team, head coach East Carolina, Cliff Godwin, voted for the Bulls because East Carolina got the maximum seven first-place votes. You can't vote for yourself, so the Bulls got one first-place vote, obviously from the ECU coach, but the rest of the league favored teams like Houston and Cincinnati who were picked second and third. Drew Brutcher, slugging Drew, the only Bull on the first team. It's a competitive league. And remember, the Bulls did finish in last place last year, so you can't expect too much better than that as far as the preseason prediction goes. Looking forward to that getting underway in about six and a half weeks. That's going to wrap up Bulls Beat on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp. We're all about the University of South Florida, but we also want to keep you informed on the Bulls Conference opponents. That's why three times a week we go around the American. With today's show, Here's Derek Sharp. As we said on Bulls Beat, no way we're going to be able to catch you up on every game that has happened in the conference since we last did a conference show because, well, it would take an hour at least. But we will just give you the highlights, especially the last football game played by a conference team this year. And it really does point the complete turnaround that Tulane, after two wins last year, finishing 12-2, and winning an incredible Cotton Bowl against USC. 46-45. Did not look like a win was in the cards at the beginning and at the end, but the Green Wave managed to pull it off. They were down 45-30 to when USC kicked a field goal with four and a half minutes to go. At that point of the game, Michael Pratt, Tulane was running the ball well, but he had only attempted 10 passes, so you needed to get down the field quickly. And over the middle to the outstanding Deuce Watts, kind of got that part of things going. 69 yards, he was tackled at the four. But then running back Ty J. Spears busts up the middle, he would declare for the NFL draft after the game. Then a big-time gaffe by USC that helped in a big way. It was a 45-37 game. And on the kickoff, Mario Williams grabs the ball, or at least tried to, right by the pylon and fumbles it right out of bounds at the one. That helped set up Tulane for a big-time tackle. Patrick Jenkins stuffs the Trojans running back in the end zone for a safety, and all of a sudden it's a six-point game, and, of course, Tulane ball. Still had some work to do. Try two fourth-down conversions. Pratt runs for eight to get near midfield, and then on fourth and ten completes it to tight end Alex Bauman down to the 30. Deuce Watts gets laid out but catches it at the 6. And then Bauman scores the touchdown. It originally was not called a touchdown but overturned, rightfully so. And Tulane wins a crazy Cotton Bowl classic. Definitely a classic. Gave up 600 yards of offense nearly but got the W, 46-45. to Speaking of offense, Holton Aylers goes out on a strong note. East Carolina wins its first bowl game since the 2014 Birmingham Bowl. This was also in Birmingham, a 53-29 route of Coastal Carolina. Finishes with 300 yards in his last game for his career. AAC record, nearly 14,000 passing yards. Threw for 97 scores in his career. And also ran for 25. At SMU Stadium in Dallas, Memphis wins the first responder bowl easily against Utah State. 
Both teams came in 6-6, six and 38-10 six. was that final score, it was 24-3 at the half. The Tigers limited the Aggies to just 261 yards of offense. Silvanta Oliver had two of their interceptions. Nearly was a 5-2 and two bowl output for the league as SMU actually held BYU, we know they have a good offense, to just 256 yards total in the New Mexico Bowl. Granted, this is going back a couple weeks. Down 24-10, though, they score with eight seconds left, and what the heck, it's a bowl game, go for two, and the conversion try was no good on a Tanner Mordecai keeper, so SMU sees its season end at 7-6. and six. The other loss was more decided for UCF, couldn't get anything going offensively against Duke. 30-13, to 13, that was last Wednesday in Annapolis. Houston got the other bowl victory for the conference against Louisiana, 23-16. to 16. Cincinnati had gotten beat by Louisville, so the three departing teams, one of them grabs the bowl victory. If you're wondering how the future American teams did, there were six bowl teams from the Conference USA and four of them happen to be the ones that are going to be coming into our league, although just one Victory produced UAB against a couple weeks back wins the Bahamas Bowl against Miami of Ohio UTSA lost to Troy 18 to 12 actually both those teams ended up 24th and 25th in the rankings so UTSA the highest ranked team in the league Rice gets beat by Southern Miss 38 24 one of those six and six teams that makes a bowl and ends up below 500 and North Texas in a good one loses to Boise 35 32 obviously the football landscape will be different in our league starting next year just a couple minutes here for basketball we'll dig a little bit deeper on friday's show but just in general here right now anyway if the first place teams go on to win the conference tournament that might be it for the league on the women's side we've been telling you of course how the women just can't compare as far as their non-conference schedule goes and they are in the top 40 no one else is in the top 60 on the men's side Similar situation, except for how high the leader is ranked. That would be number one in the computer rankings. We're talking about the Houston Cougars. After that, UCF is in the 48th spot. The Knights actually gave Houston a battle over the weekend. Memphis, which followed up that close win against the Bulls by losing a high-scoring game at Tulane, dropped to 59, and that's it as far as the top 100 goes. Cincinnati is 106, according to the net rankings. By the way, the Bulls, 189. Tulsa is the only team in the league not in the top 200, way down at 266, but again, just three in the top 100. So UCF and Memphis stand right now to be the biggest threats as far as trying to make it a two-bid league. And of course, it's all open when it comes to the conference tournament. Now UCF went to Houston and only lost 71-65 to on Saturday. Just an example, Wichita, which is traditionally at the top of the league, got beat at home over the weekend by East Carolina, 79-69. Sunday saw SMU route Tulsa, 92-67. It's been a rough go overall, though, for SMU. And again, Tulane over Memphis. As far as Players of the Week, it's kind of been a broken record. The only time in league history someone has taken four Players of the Week in a span of six weeks, that would be the former SMU, now Memphis point guard, Kendrick Davis. He had those 24 points, 9 assists, and 5 steals, helping lead Memphis pass the Bulls. Followed that up with 31 points at Tulane. And for the fifth time this season, Taylor Hendricks from UCF was named the Rookie of the Week. He averaged 11.5 points and 5 rebounds, had 14 points against 
Houston. On a roll included a player the Bulls will see tonight. Six foot seven sophomore guard Jaleel White averaged 12 points and 11 and a half rebounds in two games, including a career high 16 boards along with 13 points in their win against Cincinnati. Alongside of our games tonight, both of the other offerings are at 7 o'clock with UCF at ECU and Tulsa at Tulane. As far as the women's side of things go, last night saw SMU take down UCF in Dallas 61-51. SMU was 9-3 heading into conference play, but had lost to 3-10 Houston, so that was a big bounce back for them. UCF 9-4 overall, but Frankly, a very weak schedule, just proven out by the net rankings, where they sit at 126. Actually, every team in the conference is in the top 140, which is fairly respectable, especially compared to other mid-majors, that's for sure. Bulls moved up to 36 with their impressive win last night. Tulane's the only other top 75 team. They sit at 63 in the league. And the rest of your top 100 teams actually, by coincidence, go 82, 83, 84. That's SMU, Tulsa and Memphis, just to give you an idea of how UCF has dropped with the departure of its head coach and a lot of its talent. SMU beats UCF by 10 and stays at the same point in the rankings last night. Keep an eye on this one for sure. That's because the Bulls are playing this team on Saturday, Wichita State, which is off to an 11-3 start, but outside of the top 100 due to the strength of schedule. Wichita State is at Tulsa tonight right now. Tulsa is also 11-3, so a good matchup there. That's going to wrap up Around the American. I'm Derek Sharp.